Hi guys, welcome to The Lawyer's Daughter. This is Jen Carroll. And today I'd like to tell you a story. It's an interesting story about um, Dad and Charlene. And I wanted to go back a little bit. I haven't done anything from the past in a while. And I've been thinking about this story um, because it's it kind of is a good representation of our crazy life. So as many of you have deduced or figured out that my Charlene started working for my dad in, when I was about five, I think it's 1967, and she was, you know, exciting and fresh and in the old days, and I'm going to take you back. Okay, you got to go back now, all the way back to the, to, this is the early 70s now. In 1967, I was five years old, um, and the, the it was fun to go to my dad's office. It was you know, there was wood paneling everywhere on the walls. It looked like a law office. There were books everywhere. They had an aquarium, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. And sometimes I'd get to help pick the guppies. Yes, there were guppies in the aquarium swimming around. Sometimes I got to pick the guppies that would go in that um, fish tank. I loved sitting there looking at them. I guess aquariums were still novel back then, or, you know, they you only saw them in places like businesses and stuff. Anyway, if you don't have guppies, they're the best. They make a lot of babies. So in the office, in the as you came in, you would come into a reception area, and then you would look into kind of a bullpen past the reception area, and it had that um, non-see-through glass. So I guess it's maybe smoked glass on the side. So you just came up to a window, and then you'd look into the bullpen, and there were the secretaries, all the legal secretaries. They were working at um, steel desks, as you might imagine, back in the day, they didn't. I think those were the utility desks. The men in the law offices, and yes, the lawyers were men at that time. They had wood desks, but the secretaries were at those. Um, if you could Google them, they're these old kind of steel. I I don't know if it's even steel, aluminum steel desks, and um, it was a bullpen with typewriters. So that's really important because you have to get this vintage feel. Typewriters on the desk because that was a big thing. God, mostly what legal secretaries were doing was typing dictation because the the lawyers, I remember my dad's dictation machine, and it kind of looked like a recorder, but it had this microphone. It was so fun to play with. It had this microphone that, you know, it basically toggled on and off because they were going through their papers and they were pulling together their thoughts. So if you ever think that the lawyers wrote their briefs back then, they they maybe wrote it by hand um, and outlined it and everything. And then they'd record the brief into the dictation machine. And then the secretaries would type dictation. So as that you'd walk into the secretaries, often they'd have these um, headsets in their ears. I got to see if I can find a picture. They, they don't look like our earphones today, really, but they'd come up under their chin and, and they'd um, split on a plastic um, plastic setting, I guess, that went up to their ears and they would sit there all day with those darn things in their ears as they would type the dictation, which would be everything from briefs to letters to notifications, you know, all the things all lawyers do, it seems like, is produce content. That is their whole job besides arguing in court. They're just producing content. So there'd be, you'd walk in and you hear the clickety clickety click of IBM Selectric typewriters, that was a big deal. They were electric now. That was woo. That was exciting because they could go fast and you'd hear the typing and it had just kind of this buzz in the office. So it was an exciting place to be. And when, um, before Charlene showed up, the secretaries were pretty much what you might expect a secretary to look like 
in the 70s, except for Reva, who I loved. She was so kind, but she was also eclectic. She had the cat eye glasses and the big hair. I believe it was red. I see In my memory, I see her as having red, that kind of auburn red hair. And it was huge. And of course, her glasses had chain on it because I'm sure she was up and down. She was older, so I'm, I'm sure they were reading glasses at that point. Um, but they were on and off, on and off as she did close work and far away work. And then what, because I was a kid, Reva would always get me and we'd go in the back and there was the um, break room. And at that time, just like today, I guess, break rooms, why are they so delightful? There's something about a break room, especially when there's some stuff in there that you perceive as being free. And they had these lemonade packets and you could make lemonade with like, you put it in a cup. <laughs> Sorry, I just, this is so vintage, but they had these... Um, plastic cup holders. So imagine a little plastic frame, but then you popped in a funnel-shaped cup, not the pointy kind of funnel, but it had a flat bottom because it had to pop into this holder. And the holder then, the the flat bottom kind of had a ridge and it would it would be stable. So you couldn't use those for hot drinks. They, the plastic would melt, but you could use it for the lemonade. So I would get to pick my frame. There were some colors you could pick, typical um, 70s colors, brown, avocado, green, or mustard, or that red rust color. And then you put your cup in there, and then you make your powdered, <laughs> powdered lemonade. Yep, right up there with Tang, powdered lemonade. So the break room was, and then I don't remember there being a lot of snacks, but I just remember that was like... <sighs> so thrilling. I'm a little kid. It was just so exciting. So imagine then when Charlene showed up in this, um, in, in this nest of secretaries where she was suddenly young, very pretty, long hair, short skirts, good legs, um, very smiley and delightful. And it was, she was just attractive. Like you couldn't not get excited about her energy. And she was fun. I mean, she was modern and hip and exciting. So when Charlene showed up in our lives, that was that's how we met her. As my mom says, I really, really liked her. She was so, so fun. Um, and she was married. So, you know, no threat or anything. It all seemed really normal. And, and for a, a while, I would say maybe three years, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, maybe three Three or four years. It kind of could have been all the way up to nineteen sixty nine. I think. Uh, I'm sorry, nineteen. Yeah, seventy. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out when Mom found the receipt that showed there were two people in the hotel in San Diego. I think that was nineteen, the late nineteen seventy, maybe early seventy one. My mom's not good on her memory about this, but it's right around there because I know that it's eventually led to the divorce. But mom did, that's that's how mom found out. She had a sneaking suspicion that my dad was traveling too much and that he was not traveling alone. And I, I believe, I, I don't know exactly the dates, but I believe Charlene was still married. And her husband was a great guy. And the reason I think she was still married, because I know my mom and Mike at one point had a conversation about what was going on and they both figured out, you know, that they were not, that their spouses were cheating. Um, and that dad and Charlene were having an affair. And even mom said Mike was really good. He was a, a deputy sheriff then and he said he was just such a good guy. I mean, it's funny how these people, these lives, our lives are commingled. And yet I there were good, very good things. The Doyle family has always been held in high regard. In our family, we 
they were great people. And I know they provided a ton of support to Charlene. And even after Charlene divorced Mike, she stayed friends with his family because that's how much they liked her and and cared about her. And, and you and remember, Charlene is, you know, at this point, she doesn't have parents. She has only her grandma. And so she was a bit of a, a waif in terms of needing love. And people wanted to help her because she didn't have that kind of support. Anyway, my dad and Charlene are hooking up and they're having an affair. And it is, and at that point when I discovered that, when I was told, and I don't even remember how that worked, I think, I think my mom might have told us because the thing that happened next is my dad introduced Charlene to us as his girlfriend. And that came after we learned that they were getting divorced. And I remember that divorce conversation we all had to go into our living room, which is a room we rarely used. It was one of those, um, it was, I guess it was a formal living room. I don't think of it that way. Not the kind, I don't think of it the same way as my friends who had a formal living room and we were never allowed to go in there. We were allowed to go in our living room. We just never did. And so we were all in the living room and my dad was in his green chair and my mom was in her blue chair, which is so funny. And they told us we were getting a divorce and that my dad would be moving out. He moved out to his um, to an apartment that his law, one of his partners had, um, so it wasn't that far away. Like we could ride our bikes to his house, and um, and and we and I remember crying, and we were trying to figure it out. But then shortly after that is when my dad decided to introduce us to Charlene. So as you can imagine, it didn't go well. It kind of um, it just didn't go well. I mean, here was this woman we all liked who's role had changed and my dad was part of it and my dad just adored her he he almost almost idolized her i'm convinced he romanticized her for sure because he started telling us stuff about her that i'm not even sure was really true but it was some features about her that he really loved like the way she played the piano the way she cooked um he i think in his mind, I'm going to do this. Uh, this is not a discussion I had with him, but this is just me knowing him. He had those political aspirations. My mom was not the kind of woman that was made for politics. She is, she's, she's a nut. My mom's a nut. She's hilarious, but man, she is unpredictable. And I got her a license plate that says tend to deviate because that is my mom, man. She is squirrel. I am convinced she has ADD. So she is, but she's hilarious. She's so funny. Anyway, she was not the kind of woman you could take to political events. So I suspect, and and all she was just the she was just a housewife, and she um, later she went back and got her degree and everything, which was so proud of her. She did that while she uh, was a single mom of three kids. She went back to college and got her degree. God love her for that. I told her it's one of my proudest moments for her, but she was basically a housewife. She had supported my dad through law school. School. She was. It was like we were such a trope of what was happening back then, where the women supported the men, who would then get their degrees, go on, make the money. The women would run the house, raise the children. My mom managed the money in the house. That's why she knew. That's how she found the receipts. She was responsible for the money in the house, and so. But she was not a politician's wife, and Charlene absolutely was. Charlene could work a room. She was. She sparkled when she walked in. She had a huge smile bright, bright eyes. Um, like I said, her hair was gorgeous and long and she was really proud of it, took very good care of it. Uh, and so 
and she and she wore um, contemporary clothing. I mean, very contemporary clothing. Um, some of the pictures I have, and there, I think most of them are up on my blog. I need to do more with the pictures so you guys can see more. But she she just was. Um, she was just modern and and vivacious and captivating. And so for a man who wanted to rise in politics, I think her her um, allure worked on him and it would absolutely be powerful for him as an ally as he moved forward in politics. Nevertheless, <laughs> for a daughter who was just entering puberty and finding her own identity, um, Charlene proved to be a challenge for me, and I realized later uh, the unfortunate thing that happened is we began competing with one another, and that never should have happened. That just should not have happened. And had therapy and awareness and how things work been a popular thing back then, I think folks would have seen it and said, uh, wait, 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 things are off. Jen and Charlene are not competing for Lyman. That's messed up. They should have different relationships. They shouldn't be the female. Like, I just truly thought that it was a choice. My dad was choosing her over me. And and unfortunately, he did often. But it shouldn't have been set up like that. So we could have used a little help there. Anyway, the story, <laughs> this is all the preamble to the story because the story is really about how dad and Charlene got married. So it was, as you might imagine, it was not smooth. The bo- My brother's my brothers. My brothers just kind of went with the flow. They were younger, so that's their first advantage. In fact, Gary was just born in 1967, so he was really young. And Jay, being the middle child, has always been the most chill human being in the world. He is he is super funny. He's very relaxed. He's the kind of guy that he can he'll go and go and go and the, and he doesn't get mad till the very, very end. And you can see it coming. So if you manage to make my brother mad, you're an idiot because you can kind of see on his face as he's patient, 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 and then he starts to become mad and then you better shut up. Um, so Jay is so easygoing. So it's funny because I think Jay was a little older, but he just didn't, he didn't care about complexity and relationships and feelings and all that sort of thing. I don't mean he doesn't care about it at all. It just it wasn't something he got caught up in. And then Gary was just still, still a little kid, a little brat. He was just a brat. But I uh, love him, but he was just such a brat. So when it came time to get married, I didn't even know they were going to get married. That's really important. None of us knew. It was Christmas time and we were, we were, we went on a shopping trip with Charlene. And the big way we shopped, if you knew it was a big deal, if we went shopping in either down at Topanga Plaza, which was down near Westlake, um, Topanga Plaza was like the bomb of a mall, but it was far from Ventura. This is in the olden days when far meant you had to go over the um, Caneo grade. So Ventura, you know, is on the coast, just south of Santa Barbara. And Topanga Plaza is down towards Los Angeles. It's not, it's in the valley. It's not in Los Angeles. But that was a big deal to go shopping at Topanga Plaza. The other one was to go shopping in Santa Barbara. But that was more lady shopping. And honestly, that um, shopping center kind of fell apart. I think, I, I can't remember the name of what it was, but it was a, a big one up in Santa Barbara. And those of you from Santa Barbara right now are going, no, I know what it's called. I know, I sh- sorry, my brain is farting right now. Anyway, we went to Topanga Plaza. That's all three kids with Charlene. This is a big deal. This is a big shopping trip. 
and we all got new outfits. Um, the boys got jackets. I got this cute, cute dress that was a dress with a kind of an apron thing over it, but it felt very modern. Shoes. Um, we got our hair cut. We were all, because we were all told we were going to a really special Christmas party and we needed to just look great. So there's a photo of the three of us sitting on a gold chair in the outfits and, um, it's on the blog called The Wedding. I think it's called Lyman and Charlene's Wedding on my blog. Um, and there's a photo of the three of us. I think some of the reporters have used it too. We were so excited because we were going to a very special Christmas party in Santa Barbara. So we were picked up by, um, I don't know who brought us up there. It must have been my dad and Charlene, but that kind of doesn't make sense because I thought they were already there. Somebody got us and took us to Santa Barbara. And when we got there, we were we went to a church, and that's when I realized something was not right. Why were we at a church? So we go in, and and I see my mom's best friend, um, Elaine Barker, who has passed away, but she was um, she was she and her husband Harold Barker were he was the head of police in Santa Paula. He and my dad went back a long way. They met in Santa Paula, I believe, and they just were fast friends. And we spent a lot of time at the Barkers as kids. They had a pool. But we um I know I remember my mom and Elaine watching the Watergate hearings together with alcohol, just to be clear. Well, we were all in the pool. There you go, classic Middle America back in the back in the seventies. And anyway, we we um I walked in and I saw Elaine standing there and I immediately went to her because she was the only face I knew and, and it was a trusted face. And she said, do you know what's happening? And I said, I have no idea what's going on. And she said, D- your dad and Charlene are getting married. Um, Harold didn't tell me until we got in the car and then he wouldn't stop the car so I could call your mother. So I apologize. I found out from Harold that this that you guys didn't know. And I'm so sorry. She was great. She understood the context. She knew what was happening. And I rem- I so vividly remember when she said he didn't tell me till I got in the car where we were going. And then he wouldn't stop the car. They lived up in Half Moon Bay. And so they'd come down the coast and he wouldn't stop the car so she could make a phone call. Because we didn't have cell phones. Couldn't text anybody. She would have had to call from a gas station or something. Which, of course, she would have done because this woman would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, so I then it's hard to describe i was 13 i was i was going to burst out crying is basically it because it felt like i guess if you go back and look at psychology when your dad marries someone else you know for sure your parents are never going to get back together right that's that is the nail in the coffin for some reason when you're a kid you have these um fantasies and magical thinking that things will work out and all come back together but when you see your dad going to marry somebody, marrying somebody else, you know that's over. So we, thankfully, they didn't. They let us sit with um, Elaine and Harold in uh, in the pews. I guess they were pews. I'm trying to remember. It feels it's such a weird memory because I was so emotional at the time. But Dad and Charlene got married, and then we all went over to the Santa Barbara Ritz Carlton for the reception, which I have to say was gorgeous. And somewhere, I don't know where, and if any of Dad and Charlene's friends out there are listening to this and know where they are, there have to be pictures of the wedding and of the reception, but I have nothing. I, I can't find a darn thing. Um, and that 
I know they must have had a photographer. They just must have because they spent money on all this other stuff. It would make no sense not to have a photographer. But I don't have any pictures of their wedding at all. Um, and, and I remember the reception. It was a big deal. It was gorgeous. And it was Christmassy. And it was so pretty. It's funny because um, unrelated, I've always thought if I ever got married, I really wanted a Christmas wedding. Just something about uh, all the decorations and the lights and the colors and that time of the year. It's very, it's sort of magical. And I remember being at the Ritz Carlton and I didn't, I'm 13, I didn't even know it was a big deal. In fact, when I think back on it now, I'm like, oh my God, we were like at a really fancy place. But when you're a kid, it's just a, it's just fancy because of the, the setting, not because you know anything about the brand or what's involved behind the scenes. But we got through the reception, but at the reception, I was able to call my mom and tell her what happened. And of course I cried because it was very emotional and I felt like I had betrayed, oof, I'm not gonna cry right now, but I felt like I had betrayed my mother by participating. That was probably the worst part of the whole thing is that this was a big secret from my mom and my dad made us complicit in that secret by not telling us what was going on and then having us watch it and not and there was no way she could know and that was a really big deal for a 13 year old kid who still felt really protective of her mom in fact one of the things that happened with the divorce is I became almost like my mom's partner I remember helping her do her taxes, helping her with the other things. And I was still really young, but I just understood how to do it. I don't know how to explain that, but I just could figure things out. And so I, I felt so much. I felt like I had so betrayed my mother by attending the wedding and about it being a secret and that she didn't know about it. And so I did call her from the hotel. I'm sure Elaine helped me because my Elaine was very close with my mom too. Um, and... And after that, we, we got through that. I felt betrayed because we thought it was a party and it actually wasn't fun in that way. It was all dads and Charlene's friends. And Charlene's friends were really different from the people I knew as um, my parents' friends. They were much younger. They were more, um, to, I'm going to say they felt more frivolous, but that's probably not a fair characterization because, of course, I was a child. But because they were younger, if you imagine, my dad and Charlene were 10 years apart. So my dad's friends were from a, almost from a different generation. And they tended to be a little more um, uh, scotch, it, uh, oh, scotch on the rocks and uh, smoke a cigar, whereas Charlene's friends were wine spritzers and garden parties, if that makes sense, that juxtaposition. But a, a decade between them really did mean that they were quite different in terms of their energy levels and everything. So I remember the party being pretty uncomfortable because not a lot of my dad's friends were there. I think the good friends, the family friends, also felt like this was a little bit of a betrayal to my mom. And so not all of those folks were there. Um, that's, again, figuring out later. I do, you don't think about it right there in the moment because you're just trying to cope your way through it. But I, it was such a strange dynamic. And I... And I I probably will never forgive my dad for t doing this as a surprise. I really wish he would have told us a couple months out so I could have gotten used to it and adjusted to the idea and had more time to talk to them about it. But that's not how they rolled. Uh, remember, this is a time when children are to be seen and not heard. So you kids didn't get to negotiate and they weren't seen as, um, they weren't, 
they weren't perceived as individuals who would have opinions. <laughs> Ironically, I was the most opinionated person in the world, but they weren't. Their opinion didn't matter, right? We didn't matter, which set up a really bad dynamic, unfortunately, for the things that happened next after they were married. Uh, there were it was a lot of drama. Hopefully, I'll share that with you at some point. But um, but that is how Dad and Charlene got married, and. If anybody has the photos, I'd love to see them. Anybody has any memories of that, I'd love to hear them because mine were definitely through the lens of a 13-year-old kid who felt very, very betrayed on all levels and felt complicit in a betrayal. And it took a long time. It didn't ruin Christmas or anything like that, but it did take a long time to adjust to. And after that, things changed dramatically. So that is the story of Lyman and Charlene's wedding and and how how and why things sometimes seem so complicated in my family, because they were never straightforward. It was always some kind of, um, some kind of complication. It was always more difficult. It wasn't ever just clean. So, um, you can see why these things, these little indicators are, you can see why the investigators later, when dad and Charlene were murdered, never thought it could be a stranger because their lives were complicated and how they, the choices they made and how they lived were complicated as well. Secrets and master plans and all that sort of thing. So I think sometimes this backstory helps you understand why things went so wonky in the initial investigation when they were killed. Okay, more soon. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer's Daughter. I appreciate the ratings. I appreciate you sharing and subscribing, and I will talk to you soon. Surround your daylight there Seasons crying